Well, church, man, I'm just so excited that you're here this morning. You know, the Labor Day weekend, and anytime you have a holiday weekend, you always just prepare yourself mentally for um, a thin crowd. But, man, I'm just so glad that you're here this morning. You could have been a lot of different places, but you chose to be in the house of God this morning. And I pray because of that, God's going to have something really special for you. I really hope that he does. And um, God's already been good to us, and I'm so thankful for our worship team. Man, give them a hand really quick. Those guys just... I just really, you know, I, I'm only as good as the people that are around me. And if I was by myself, then you would definitely know that. So I'm just so thankful for those guys and just their talent and their willingness to serve God. And, um, and so we're going to go ahead and get right into it. You can go ahead and open your Bible to Leviticus 23. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been going through this series um, talking about the seven feasts of the Lord. These times, remember a feast is, was this time of remembrance. It was this time of celebration of uh, what God is doing. Remember we talked about last week that these feasts, they were, uh, they were showing us Old Testament significance and New Testament fulfillment. Okay, They were showing us how from beginning to end the Bible is this cohesive story of God's good work and what He intends to do with His people and for His people. And so uh, we have talked about this, and so um, just to kind of recap last week, I'm not going to go through the whole gamut of everything that we've talked about up to this point, but uh, just to recap last week, we talked about, we're talking about the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost, that we call it now. Uh, weeks, because it's seven weeks after the Passover. Pentecost, because Pentecost means 50, and so it's 50 days after the Passover. And so uh, what we talked about last week is what God gave us. Okay, the first thing we talked about is that God gave us the gift of inclusion. Okay, he gave us the gift of inclusion, and that inclusion was an invitation. The invitation into his family, into his promises. Because verse 17 of Leviticus 23, it talked about those two loaves. Okay, and those loaves covered everyone. Okay, it was the Jews and Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles is everyone else. Gentiles is who we are. And so when they made this offering of these two loaves, it was saying that no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, no matter your heritage, no matter your bloodline, no matter your state, say that you are welcome and you are invited into the family of God. And that's the invitation that He made to us. That's what He gave us. And then He also, it's, we talked about last week, that He gave us the gift of freedom. Okay, He gave us the gift of freedom because those two loaves, the Bible tells us in Leviticus 23, 17, those two loaves were baked with leaven. And remember, the Bible tells us that leaven was symbolic of sin. And so what God was showing His people is that uh, in, even in our sin, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives unshackles us from the penalty of sin. Okay, It unshackles us from the punishment of the law and it gives us freedom to live and walk confidently in the family of God. Because remember, before the Holy Spirit came, before Jesus died for our sins, we were trying to live up to the law, this law that we constantly fell short of. And so when the Holy Spirit came, it was a fulfillment that we don't live by the law anymore, but we live by the righteousness of Jesus. And it's because of that we're entered into the family of God, not because of my goodness, okay? Not because of my righteousness. So I'm free from my shame. I'm free from my guilt. I'm free to walk in the family of God confidently. Because of the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells in the lives of believers when they receive Jesus through faith. Okay? And so this week we kind of shift focuses a little bit. And so last week we talked about what God has given us. And this week we're going to talk about what we give. 
Okay, what do we give? What is my responsibility? What does it look like from my end? And, and I've probably said this before, but I was just thinking this week, you know, I, kids love junk food, right? It's not something that they have to be taught. It's something that they're born with, kind of like sin. They're born with this state of just wanting junk food. You know, you put a, put a little bit of like, doc, not that I've ever done this or we've ever done this, but you put a little Dr. Pepper on a kid's passy and they're going to like chew it up like it's, a, like it's a drug, right? I mean, they're just eating it up. Um, and so... We don't usually buy a lot of snack food at our house, but when we do, um, we, we hide it. Uh, and, and when I eat it, uh, I eat it in the pantry um, because I don't want them to see me eating it because it's inevitable that if they see it, they're going to want it. And so, you know, in the occasion when I'm feeling generous, uh, I'll share um, and I'll, I'll give them one uh, out of a bowl full. But... Um, you know, I'll give them one, and, and, it's, and it's inevitable that, you know, usually it's, it's it, before I give it, it's don't go into the room where your brothers are while you're eating this. Eat this here and then go out so that there's not the cross, you know, that they're not wanting. Where'd you get that? But it's inevitable that they see it, um, and they'll, they'll come, and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll ask their brother. They'll say, well, well, I want it, and he'll say, no, this is mine. You know, this is mine, and, I, and, and, and then it'll be this big scuffle, uh, and, and he'll come to me, and he'll say, Dad, he won't give me any. And so my, my son's response usually is, well, well, Dad, you gave this to me. Like, this is mine. And then I have to be like, no, actually, if you look, it's got my name on the jar. These, these are mine, but I generously gave this to you, and so now I'm telling you to share this with your brother. You know, I think you can know where I'm going with this, but, um, you know, this response that they have, that no, it was mine, you know, is me having to rebuttal and say, no, actually, I chose to allow you to experience the goodness of this uh, snack that I've so graciously given you, and I'm telling you to share it. You know, and so last week we talked about the goodness of what God's given us, right? He's given us inclusion or an invitation into His family. He's given us freedom. And so for us, we have to understand and really begin to wrap our minds around what God has given and the good that He has put in our lives. Uh, you know, this morning we, we have this moment where we're, Matt and Hunter come and they offer their baby up because they understand that their baby is goodness given from God. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The good in our life is the good given by God. There is nothing that we have that is good in our life that is not given by God. Now listen, there are good things that, that I would, I've heard called before and I've started to call common grace or common goodness that believer and unbeliever alike enjoy. Like if you bite into a good steak, it's really good. And it's not really good just because you're a believer, right? Unbelievers can experience the goodness of that steak or whatever that is. So there's these common goodnesses. There's these common, uh, I don't know if goodnesses, is goodnesses a word? I don't know, I think I just made that up. We'll go with it. It'll be a real word today. But these common graces that God has given us, and, uh, but, but we understand that as a believer, we know that anything good has come from God. Okay? Anything good in our life has come from God. The good He has given, and in that goodness, that goodness is given for something. Okay? So last week we talked about the gift of inclusion. Okay, this gift to be able to walk in the family of God. And then this gift of freedom. Being able to walk in that family freely. Not weighed down by sin. Not weighed down by shame or guilt. 
You know, we live in a culture of self-preservation and self-elevation, right? That it's all about me. It's all about what I can get. It's all about what I can uh, obtain. It's all about elevating myself and making myself happy, making myself comfortable. And what I love about the family of God is that for us, it's completely opposite. Because God has given goodness to us with the intention on doing something with it. Okay? God has given us goodness to do something with it. And so... How do we give? And this morning, I think, continuing through this feast, God shows us how we give. Okay? How we give. And it's going to be two things this morning. We give purposefully, and we give willingly. Okay? We give purposefully, and we give willingly. The first thing that I want us to see this morning is that we give, in our response to God's good gift, we give purposefully. We're going to pick up in Leviticus 23, 18, and read down to 21. It says, and you shall present with the bread seven lambs a year, a year old without blemish and one bull from the herd and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Verse 19, and you shall offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them or offer them with the bread of first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priests. And you shall make a proclamation on the same day you shall hold a holy convocation. Or this is a gathering. You shall hold this gathering and you shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. Okay, and so I know that's a lot. And so when we read that, I know the first thing you think to yourself is, well, I don't have goats, I don't have rams, I don't have all these things to give. But I think what we can see from this text is an insinuation of provision. Okay, continuing on the idea of what God has given us. I love that in this instruction, it is calling us to give up something that they have. Okay, he's telling them, I'm requiring this and this and this and this, a lamb, a goat, all these things. And we could go into all that, but we're not. We're just going to kind of allow the text to show us something this morning that we give purposefully and we give from what God has given. And so what I hope that we can see, you know, every year and many other times in the year, they were doing these offerings. Okay, and it was part of God's command and God's leading. And so what the insinuation here is of is as an insinuation of provision. That not only is God asking, but in His asking, revealing that He will provide. Okay? Because the truth that I want us to realize this morning is that He won't ask something of you that He has not already provided for you. Okay? If God is calling you to something, He is going to provide you the way to accomplish that thing at which He is calling you to. He's calling them to give all these things that are very valuable, that, 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 that provide for families. And he's not saying, if you have these things. He's saying, give these things that you will have. Church, if he is calling us to do something, he has already provided for us the way to do it. He has provided for us a purpose. You know, and we have to see the purpose Okay, when we give purposefully, and so when I'm talking about giving, I hope that you're not being immediately seeing dollar bills because that's not what I'm talking about this morning. That's part of it, but I'm talking about a much bigger thing. I'm talking about giving of ourselves, giving of our service, giving of our time, giving of our energy. 
Church, I'm talking about pouring ourselves out before the Lord. And we're going to talk about this a little bit here. But to see the purpose, we have to see, and to give purposefully, we have to see the bigger picture. Because that's what they would see, that God is requiring these things of me. But I have confidence that in Him requiring these things, I know that He's providing these things. That if He's calling me to something, I have to see the bigger picture that He's going to give me the ability to do those things. And we have to see the purpose of giving and sacrifice. Because if we don't see the purpose, the big picture of giving and sacrificing, they will become burdens rather than blessings. Okay? They will become burdens rather than blessings. You know, I think about our worship team. And getting up here week after week could become a burden if they don't see the purpose in what we're doing. You know, working in the nursery. I have four kids of my own. I know it can become a burden if we don't see the purpose in what we're doing. Working in kids' ministry can become a burden if we don't see the purpose in what we do. Coming to church for one hour a week can become a burden if we don't see the purpose in the bigger picture of why we are giving of our time, of our service, of our energy. But what we have to do is we have to see the bigger picture. We have to see the reason why God is calling us to give purposely. And that purpose is not for God's gain. You know, all of these offerings, these are burnt offerings offered before the Lord. So it's not like God's obtaining goats and lambs and rams and all those things. God does not need what we give Him. God does not need what we give Him. Isaiah 1.11 says, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings and of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls and lambs and of goats. He says, I don't gain anything from these things. But what he's calling us to do is he's inviting us to be a part of something bigger. He's a part, calling us to be a part of a purposeful giving. Giving purposefully. And there's two purposes that we give for, really quick. The first purpose is praise. That our work in the church, our worship of God, our ministry, our financial giving, that we give this out of a place of praise because of who God is and what He's done. Our purpose is to make known the name of Jesus. Okay, our gifts, what He has given us is meant for His glory and for His honor. Hebrews 13.15 says this really quick. It says, Through Him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips. I'm just going to keep talking over it. <laughs> the fruit of lips. The acknowledge, acknowledgement of His name. Okay, so the first purpose at which we give is we give out of a purpose of praise. Okay, we give from the fruit of our lips the acknowledgement of His name that we've been doing here this morning. That, that wonderful name, that powerful name, praising the name of Jesus because it's by that name at which we are saved. And that's why, what we acknowledge here this morning, offering up our voices, offering up the breath in our lungs, the energy that it takes to stand on a Sunday morning when the weather's uh, gross outside and it would be great napping weather, but we step into here this morning and we sing out even in the, the, the gunk and the, the, the sinuses and everything else that's going around right now, we come into this place and we, we acknowledge His name. We offer up our praise to Him. Psalm 69, 30-33, it says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving, and this will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. He said praising, proclaiming Him purposefully, Pouring into God, not because He needs it, but because we need it and because He deserves it. 
Remember, because these feasts were meant to be a reminder. Be a reminder of what God has done. Be a reminder of what God has provided. Psalm 51, 16 through 17 says, For you will not delight in a sacrifice, talking about God, or I would give it. Says David. He says, You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. What God calls to that purpose at which we give is we give in praise of giving of ourselves. Okay, laying ourselves down, letting God know, God, I need you desperately. God, that it's by your good grace and mercy that I woke up this morning. God, that it's your, by your grace and mercy I walked in these doors. God, it's by your grace and mercy I have a voice to sing out. God, it's by your grace and mercy that you've given me a family to love. God, it's by your grace and mercy you've given me a job to provide. Lord, it's by your grace and mercy understanding that giving starts with giving of ourself. Okay, that purpose of praise, giving of ourselves, laying ourselves down. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. God isn't trying to take life from us. He's trying to use our life for something bigger. That purpose. Purposeful giving. Okay? Understanding the purpose behind it. You know, because these people... They were really good at doing religious things. They were really good at offering bulls and offering rams and giving of their harvest. But what we saw these writers and Hosea and Saul and David and these people when they're writing, they're saying that's not what you want because God wants a bigger purpose. God wants deeper than just our things. God says, I don't need your things. I want you. I want you. What they were missing is they were missing God desiring, calling them into a deep, close relationship with Him. Because that's the purpose that He's calling us to. That purpose of praise first. And then the second thing we see as we continue through these, these verses in verse 22 is we see the purpose is people. The purpose is people. Verse 22, and it says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, the pilgrim. It says, I am the Lord your God. So remember, this feast is a feast of harvest. So this is them coming to this, uh, this land that they've worked hard on, that they've poured into. And so what God is telling them in this is He says, work your land up to this point and then leave the rest of it. Leave the rest of it for someone else. This stuff that you have worked hard for, that you feel like you've earned, that you deserve, he says, let it go for someone else's good. He says, do not reap, do not gather, but leave for the poor. Leave for those that, don't, that are in need. Leave for the sojourner. The sojourner is someone who does not have a home. Leave it for them. Leave it for the person in need. God takes, I love this, that God takes our focus and shifts it to Himself, and then He takes that focus and shifts it to others. Those around us in need. Hebrews 13, 16, that next verse, after it talks about giving of our sacrifice of praise, He says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Matthew 9, 13, it says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, 
not sacrifice. And this mercy is taking the time to know what people need. He's calling us to give purposefully, understanding that our purpose in giving is for people. So it's not for me, it's for God first and for people. Seeing needs around me, filling those needs. As the church, as we grow, the way that we grow is in this concern for one another. Galatians 6.2, it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Christ's law is to bear each other's weight. Seeing each other's needs, pouring into each other's lives. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's how the church functions. 1 John 3.17 and 18. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love, that's agape love, in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Let us not love in word and talk. Talk is cheap, right? Let us not love in word and talk, but but in deed and in truth. That agape love, remember we talked about last week, that agape love is a love that delights in the object of of its love. It's a willful love. It's a love without expectations of repayment. And so he's calling us to give purposefully for people with a heart that is just willing to give. And we'll get into that here shortly. But this heart that is giving in deed, in action, and in truth. And the truth that he's talking about there is the truth of the light of the gospel. Okay, And not in my truth, because my truth is different from God's truth. Because my truth, if we're honest with ourselves, the truth we want to live by is the truth of, truth of me. And it's very selfish and it's very self-centered and it's all about what I want and my desires. But God's truth is this truth of agape love for those in need around us. That if I have something that someone else needs, that I need to give. Okay, that I need to be willing to give. And maybe I'm not talking about just financial or, 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 or physical things, but maybe it's support. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's just the time of day to sit next to someone and be an encouragement to them, love on them, help them with their kids, help them with their yard, help them with their house. Just be there. Just be present in someone's life. See a need. Maybe it's emotional. Just provide a need for someone. That if I have it for the moment then I can give it. That's what he calls us to do. You know, if we look at some of the, 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 the most dividing things in our world, if we would begin to live like this, we would see some of those things begin to crumble before us. You know, we want to conquer, conquer racial divides and begin to see racial reconciliation take, take place. Let's love indeed in truth, in God's truth, not my truth, not my opinion, God's truth, God's opinion. Let's do that. If we want to see our relationships be restored, whether that's spouses, friends, people around us, we want to see that be restored, let's love in deed and in truth. We want to see disciples made in the church. We want to see the expansion of God's kingdom. Let's love in deed and truth. That's what it should be about. Right? That's why we're here. That's the purpose of our giving is to see the kingdom of God expand among us. You know, I heard someone say one time that a church without discipleship is a church without Christ. You know, if we're not seeing people come to know Christ and we're not pouring this agape love and deed and truth into people, then we're missing it. If we're more focused on our truth rather than God's truth, we're missing it. 
Romans 12, 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if we understand the heart of God, we find our purpose of giving in the people around us. Because God cares about people. We should care about people. You know, and so maybe you ask yourself, uh, what is my place in this purpose? What is my place in this purpose? You know, old or young, God has a place for us. And listen, God is not done with us until He takes us. You know, but too often in church or too often in situations, we stand on the sidelines and we, we, we look at maybe things uh, or we're not seeing the needs. Maybe we're just not really desiring to see the needs in the church or in the people around us. And we just stand on the sidelines. You know, a, year, a, a while back when I was doing some job uh, searching, I was looking at these jobs and looking at these listings and, and just waiting for the perfect thing, like the perfect thing that works with everything and that just that I feel comfortable in, that I feel like I'm good enough for. And then I would see these things and I would think to myself, no, there's no way I can do that. There's no way that, that I'll be good enough for that because I'm thinking of it in a way of like in my own strength and my own knowledge that if I do that, there's no way I'm probably going to fail. I'm thinking I'm failing before I've even put myself out there to try. And I think what we need to do as the church, as we begin to be a part of a family of God and we begin to see needs and we begin to see things that we could do based off of our own gifts that God has given us and our own abilities and our own talents, that we stop waiting for a job posting but start resting in the Spirit's leading. That I would start hearing God tell me, this is what you can do and this is the place that I want you to do it. And start giving of ourselves purposefully in that way. God, show me a need. God, use me in that way. Because listen, church, every one of us has something that we have been gifted with. We have been gifted with something, and we have been gifted for giving. Okay, you have been gifted for giving. And the first way that we give is we give purposefully. Okay, we give purposefully. The next thing we give that we see here in the Bible is that he tells us that we give willingly. We give willingly. That we don't give reluctantly. We don't give begrudgingly. Because listen, God doesn't want our begrudging gifts. Okay, God doesn't want our reluctant, uh, bitter gifts. God doesn't want it. He'd say keep it. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Has the Lord as del a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. It's not just doing for doing's sake. You know, a lot of times in church when we can become very just religious with things, we're just doing things for the sake of doing them. We're doing them out of this place of, of, of sacrifice, we feel like, but we're just giving and there's no true heart behind it because we haven't first seen the purpose in our giving. And so we're just giving and we're giving emptily because we convince ourselves that sacrifices are enough, but if our sacrifices take precedence over our obedience, we are missing it. Okay, if we're just giving because we, I just feel like I, I have to or I, I, I just, I, you know, they're just telling me this is what I'm supposed to do. God doesn't want that. God wants our free will gift. God wants us to give willingly. Give of what we want to give. Okay? And that shouldn't limit us, but that should free us. 
In Deuteronomy 16, we see, uh, we see it written again about the Feast of Weeks, kind of a reiteration of the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. And in verse 10, it says this. It says, Then you shall keep the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. He calls us that as we give, not only do we give purposely, but we give willingly. That He wants us to be in this place where as we give of our time, as we give of our energy, as we give of our resources, that we're giving from this place of willingness. You know, I love this quote from Martin Luther, one of the founders of, of the Protestant church, of the church that we rest in today. He says, I have tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all. But what I have given into the Lord's hands, I still possess. Isn't that a great thought? That as we give to God, we're not losing something, but we're actually gaining something. We're still holding on to those things that we've given over to Him. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Pouring out ourselves willingly. Pouring out ourselves willingly. And back in the book of Acts, remember last week we kind of jumped into Acts 2 to see the giving of the Holy Spirit and that God had given us the gift of inclusion and freedom by giving us the Holy Spirit in Acts. Well, we also see this instruction on willing giving. Okay, giving willingly in Acts 2, 45. I'm just going to read this portion. You know, this is after the Holy Spirit has come. This is after they begin to meet together under the teachings of the disciples and all of those things. This is the establishment of the New Testament church. And this is what it says in Acts 2, 45. And it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. You know, and so what I want you to understand first is that I'm not asking you to sell everything you have and to give it away to someone else. But in understanding of the recognition of needs. What I love about this culture of people is that this was not a culture of perfect people. Okay? You know how you know what needs to provide for? Is that people have made their needs known. And people only make their needs known when they step into a culture that is cultivating honesty and willingness. You know, church should not be the place where you feel like you have to come into it and have it all together. Church should be the place where you come with your needs. Whether those needs are physical or emotional or monetary, whatever they are, that you come into this place offering up your needs and that your church family rallies around you and helps provide for those needs. That's how the church grew. That's how the church reached people. That they were willing givers. In this culture of honesty where they could say, they could come before each other and they'd say, hey, I'm hurting in this area and I need in this way. And the church came without judgment and they said, you know what, we're going to provide that need. Like I said, whether it's emotional, physical, monetary, whatever it was. And this giving was a willing giving. And this giving, I love how it says that they were selling their possessions and their belongings. This giving was costing them something. And listen, church, when we give to God, it should cost us something. Whether it's our energy, whether it's our time, it should be something that we see as valuable. And for a lot of us, we probably see our time as more valuable as our money in a lot of ways. Because I've seen a lot of times where people give money, but they never come to church, but they feel like they've accomplished this goal because they're giving to the church. 
And so a lot of times our time is more valuable. But listen, giving to God is going to cost us something, and it should. I love in this story in 2 Samuel 24, I'm just going to read this to you really quick, of David. David has just come out of hardship. David has just been rebuked for sin. He has just had this army come against him, and this king, David came through all of this, and this king tells David, he says, I want to give you these things to offer before the Lord. He says, I want to give you this livestock. I want to give you this harvest to offer before the Lord. And I love David's response here, and I think it's an encouragement that we can take and it should be an example that we follow in 2 Samuel 24 24 this is David's response when the king tells him I want to give you this so you can give this to God he says no he says no he says but I will buy it from you for a price he says I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing I love that David says I'm not going to give something to God that hasn't cost me something So listen, as a people walking in in the church and doing the work of ministry and loving each other and giving to each other and encouraging each other and pouring our lives out into God, He calls us to be willing givers that understand that giving is going to sacrifice. It's going to require something from me. It's going to cost something from me. And that in that, we find blessing. In that we find the motivation. In that we truly understand what it means to be givers. To be pouring ourselves out. The poet Henry Taylor said this. He said, He who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity. For the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. It's in self-sacrifice. In this giving with no expectations. With no return expected. No payback. Giving. You know, he told him, he said, cut your harvest up to this point and give that to those in need. Deuteronomy 24, 19 references this again. He says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field. He said, oh, and when you're, you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all your work of your hands. I love that. He says, leave it and don't go back for it. It's not yours anymore. You know, because when we, when we give willingly, we don't expect anything back and we don't expect what we've given to be returned back. I love that. He says, give this to those without homes. Give this to those who are alone. Give this to those who were neglected. Give this to those who are forgotten. He says, leave it. Don't go back for it. Leave it for the pilgrim, the one without a home, the fatherless, the widow. And he said, the Lord your, so that the Lord your God may bless you. You know, and I'm not talking about a, a prosperity you give and God's going to give you tenfold. Because I believe God's blessings of spiritual things, uh, of peace and mercy and comfort are so much more valuable than any money that we could have. So he tells them, he says, give willingly and give knowing that, that this is you sacrificing and let it go. Forget it. Don't go back for it. Let it go and give willingly. Because that's what Christ did for us, right? Christ gave willingly. God, Christ gave purposefully. Christ gave without the expectation of getting anything back. While we were yet sinners, He died. 
For God so loved a sinful world that He gave His only Son. God gave and didn't ask for return. But what He does do is He invites us in. What He does do is He calls us to Himself. What He does do is He creates a place for us among His family. And the way that we enter into that is we bring before Him our faith and we say, Lord, I trust in You. And then we begin to give purposefully. We begin to give willingly. The greatest point of joy in a Christian life is when we are obeying Him, loving Him, serving Him, and worshiping Him. Denying ourselves and giving purposefully and willingly into the family of God and loving those who are around us. Seeing the bigger picture. Why I come. Why I do. Why I'm giving. Seeing the greater purpose and the greater picture this morning. And I pray that we can be a church like that. I pray that we can be a church giving of ourselves to the Lord. Pouring ourselves out before a good God who has given so graciously to us in ways that we don't deserve, in ways that we could not earn. And He calls us in what He has given us to begin to give purposefully, to begin to give willingly of ourselves, pouring ourselves out, stop elevating ourselves, believing we deserve more than we have, allowing pride to be the thing that defines us, begin to lay ourselves down before God first in praise, and then people, And then begin to give willingly, understanding that it is going to cost me something. But in it costing me something, expecting abundant provision from God. And like I said, that's probably not always going to be physical or monetary, but it's going to be more of the peace of God knowing that we are walking in His way. We are living in His life that He has given. And so before we enter into a time of just worship, in a time of response, I want to encourage you to pray for two things this morning. That you would allow yourselves to be challenged this morning. That you would pray first, God, show me the purpose. God, help me to give of myself purposefully. God, show me the bigger picture. That God, I find every reason in the world to complain about whatever it is that I do for you or for the church or for other people. God, help me to see your bigger vision. God, help me see your purpose. And then the second thing is that you would pray, God, help me step into that purpose willingly. God, maybe it's to give of myself in a ministry of the church. Maybe it's to give of myself to helping someone around me. Maybe it's to give financially. Maybe it's to give of my time. Maybe it's to give of my energy. Maybe it's to give of, of my, just myself to you, God, just giving myself over to you willingly, surrendering myself to you. That you would pray for that. You've got to pray, give me the strength to step willingly into what it is you have for me. So two things. Pray with purpose. Pray for purpose, to see the purpose. And pray that God will help you step into those things willingly. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And then as I pray, the band's going to come. And we're just going to sing, have a time of worship. Where we're just going to pour ourselves out before the Lord here this morning and thank Him for His goodness. And that you would take this time to respond. Maybe that's to respond in your seat. Maybe that's to come to this altar and lay yourself down. Maybe it's to come and pray with Brother Garen or someone else in the congregation. That you would grab someone. That you would say and, and lean, allow someone to lean into this with you. Give me purpose. Give me the strength to step into this willingly. 
God, show me what it is you have for me. Let us pray this morning. God, I thank you. God, for your goodness. God, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the provision that you have offered to us. God, I pray this morning that you would give courage. God, that you would give insight. God, I pray that you would show us this morning as a church, as Cross Point, as Northside, Lord, more so just as people of God. Lord, the vision that you have for us, the bigger purpose. God, that we would be willing. God, that we would be, uh, Lord, courageous. God, that we would be open to just letting ourselves go, laying ourselves down before you and for the people around us. God, seeing your greater purpose, a free will offering of ourselves and the things you've given us. God, giving those things back to you. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for who you are. God, and I just ask this morning that we would continue to be able to worship you. God, and just respond to you in the way that you call us to. Lord, we love you. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.